In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Astros bite back. Now the World Series is all square. We came in, you want to split. Obviously, you want to win two, but if you get out of here with a split, then that's a good thing going home. A downfall in inning two sinks the Braves in game two, but now Atlanta's got home field advantage as the fall classic comes back to Georgia. Welcome to episode 15 of the AJC Braves Report podcast presented to you by Kroger. I'm Jay Black, and the Atlantic Journal-Constitution has more riders traveling to the World Series than any other outlet in the Southeast. And today they are all flying back at the same time. Braves beat reporter Gabe Burns has filed his analysis. We'll be checking in with him throughout this podcast. And we'll also be hearing from staff writer Tim Tucker, who joins us now. Tim, you've covered the Braves for for many years here at the AJC, making your podcast debut. So welcome. And um, sorry you drew the clunker. Like you said, that was a clunker. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, the defense that's been so airtight through really the whole season, and particularly the postseason, uh, had a a couple – Couple meltdowns. The uh, Freed wasn't wasn't awful, but he didn't give them the kind of game they really needed last night. The night after um, after Morton got hurt early, and um, Houston's pitching um, shut him down pretty good last night. It was really the uh, reverse of the first game. You know, the first game was six to two Braves. Second game was seven to two Astros. And uh, you know, game one Braves looked like uh, hard to stop team, and in game two the Astros looked like that. So now it's one one, uh, which you know, honestly. Uh, even from the Braves' standpoint, I think going on the road for the first two games uh, to hope for anything more than a split was probably unrealistic. So um, they probably came out of Houston about where they hoped to be. It's just that it's kind of weird how they got there, you know, on two such different games. Yeah, game. That's that's really what matters, right? That this trip to Houston was was still mission accomplished. Look, the bottom line is they needed to split these two games in Houston. You know. Uh, they said it, you know, we wrote it. It's big when you're able to, you know, flip the series in your favor like that. And that, that's what they did. Now, it came with a cost. Um, as you guys talked about yesterday, Charlie Morton, you lose him. Obviously, that's a big blow. Um, but ultimately, if you had told if you had told the Braves, if you had told their fans that they were leaving Houston 1-1, uh, it would be hard to complain about that. Obviously, going up 2-0 would have been a – that would have been an amazing situation, but they weren't. They didn't even come close to doing that. So for them to just get out of there one-one is good enough. All right, we'll dig into what happened here in just a second. But I want to tell you that the AJC Braves Report podcast is presented by Kroger. Kroger's a proud sponsor of the Atlanta Braves and is bringing you scary good savings on everything you need to plan your perfect Halloween. Of course, Kroger's got you covered for candy for those trick-or-treaters, but Kroger also has savings on Halloween decor and more, providing all treats and no tricks. Visit Kroger.com slash Halloween today or visit your local Kroger store to start shopping. All right, so here's what the players and the manager are saying after Game 2 and a disappointing start by Max Fried, who gives up six runs, five earned in five innings, and we do apologize for some of the audio quality. It's as bad as that second inning was, but that's what we got, so here's Max. He came out and we were losing and we were down big, so I'm not, you know, not happy about it. For me, I'd, at the end of the day, it's kind of what I've said all year. I'm, if I'm leaving the game and we're winning, I did my job, and today I didn't do that. I'm 
having a hard time convincing myself that he struggled that much. I mean, it was, you know, the first inning, they did some really good hitting. The, the, the second inning, when they scored, it was kind of a weird inning. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't like he was getting banged around, you know, balls that found holes, um, check swings. Uh, you know, it was just, we threw a ball away. I mean, it was... Um, that was a, just a weird inning. But, I, I, you know, I, I thought his stuff was really good. Gabe, do you agree with uh, Brian Snicker there? Yeah, I, I didn't think Max was that bad. Uh, that second inning, it, like like Snit said, there was some weird stuff that happened. Um, the infield ball, you have Rosario's error. I mean, I, I don't think... I, I don't think it set off any alarms. It was not – now, don't get me wrong, that doesn't absolve him of blame. It was not his best outing. Um, I did think it was better than his last one. But overall, I mean, you look at these last two starts for him now, I think it's I think it's ten earned runs in nine and two-thirds innings or so. And uh, it, it, it's, it's been a tough go for him here. For a guy that had a 1.74 ERA in the second half, of the season and and you know he pitched so well in that first start against the Brewers in the postseason but um it's been he's had to labor a little bit in these past few and so I mean again he's going to get another he's going to get another outing um you would think in this series so that's that's going to be big obviously the Braves are basically down to two conventional starters now and you've already you already lost one of Max Fried's games and you're not getting Charlie Morton back so you know, we'll we'll look ahead to game three, but you you need to win the game with Ian Anderson on the mound, considering the two bullpen games you have coming up after that. And of course, Tim. On the other hand, in a game like that, when you're facing a loaded lineup like the Astros have got, if you're just off, that's just enough for them to single you to death. Yeah, that is a really good lineup. I mean, you know, you you know, I don't know how often, if at all, people in Atlanta see the Astros play over the course of the year, but. Uh, you look at the numbers on paper, and it's, uh, I think they were second in the in the majors in runs scored, just slightly behind Toronto, I think. But then you look at the lineup actually out there on the field, and there's I can't think of a better top to bottom um, lineup in the majors than that one. Uh, so you're right; it's you have to be on the top of your game to uh, navigate that lineup, which really you know makes, imp- makes it impressive what the bullpen did in Game One to hold them down as much as they did after Charlie left the game. It's been two kind of rough starts now for Max. Any concern that that he's just kind of gone cold here after being hot for three good months? Well, yeah. I mean, I think there's concern. Uh, it's, it's two in a row, um, and it's compounded by the fact that that they just so desperately need him to uh, to be the ace. Uh, you know, he was the he was the ace or the co ace uh, all season, and now with Charlie out, um, and they're facing. Um, bullpen games um, in games four and five and uh, they need not only for him to hold down that Houston lineup but they need innings out of him and you know they got five last night which is probably better than you would have thought considering what happened in the second inning but but they definitely need him to pitch uh, you know five or six strong innings and turn a lead over to the back end of the bullpen uh, because you know that is one thing about last night they didn't use any of the high leverage relievers um, who you'll see in the next game to have a lead in. If the Tim, if the Braves do win the World Series, you can certainly put on your board, don't forget, Max saved the bullpen for three innings in game two. Right. And like I said, you know, in the second inning, it probably would have been surprising to think he was going to make it to the sixth. Uh, and he retired nine in a row from the third through the fifth. 
and then first couple of guys reached base in the sixth, and that was it. Uh, but by that point, they were not going to go unless they made a big rally and got back uh, probably to a lead. They weren't going to go. They weren't going to use. Um, well, they couldn't have used Minner yesterday anyway after as much as as many pitches as you threw the night before. But uh, they weren't going to use um, Luke or Matzik or obviously Will Smith um, in a game like last night's. So with with basically an off night last night for them, uh, the day off today, you know they'll go into the weekend, um, you know, with well rested, and that should serve the Braves well, assuming. You know, Ian Anderson gets off to a good start and they can carry a lead in the sixth inning. You can't say there may be slight concern about Max Fried now, but but one thing Snitker is not worried about is his defense. Not not at all, because, um, you know, the one yesterday, I think it was just a topspin ground ball. Um, we haven't been on this field a lot. I think that's got something to do with that. And you know what? It happens. Over the course of 162 games that we just played and how good our guys are defensively, it doesn't bother me one bit. Those two errors were ugly, especially whatever was going on at third base in the second inning. But, Tim, I guess a game like that kind of sticks out because this team hasn't made any errors. Yeah, it sticks out because of that and just because of the uh, stakes of the game, you know. Um, uh, but those those plays those plays are ugly in July, too. You know, the uh, play with no one covering third base and the throw going to an empty base and rolling away. And then even also, even the play uh, later at, at second base where, um, where Ozzie drops the ball. Those are just the kind of plays that, you know, look so bad on camera, and they, and they did. But you're right. It was just probably the day before we were probably a lot of us were talking about, thinking about just how how great the defense has been, particularly in the infield. Now, the outfield, they obviously, uh, even though it, it has probably played better defensively than expected when they went offense first in the outfield after the trade deadline uh, with the moves, and those, those were definitely offensive-oriented moves. But, um, you know, the outfield defense probably has been better than you could have expected. Uh, but the infield defense has just been unbelievable all year. Yeah, it's really kind of the first time we, we've noticed an off, uh, the defensive tr- trouble in the outfield with Lasari throwing to the wrong base. But he made that great throw in, right. in game one. Yeah, yeah. Said it was a weird play, and it was. It was a weird play and an ugly play. The other thing that was also kind of ugly is the Braves' offense. They, they do get seven hits, one big fly by Travis Darno, but Jose Urquidy controls the show. He was doing well. He was he was locating his pitches, um, keeping us off balance. Um, we knew he was going to be a strike thrower, and um, he went out there and pitched a great game. Gabe, what happened there? Yeah, the Braves' offense just couldn't really get going. I mean, it it happens as a as snip, you know, kind of said about the errors. So it was it was it was just an off night all around for him. They just I mean Travis Darno had the home run and that's his first homer of the postseason. That's all three of his uh, postseason homers with the Braves have come in that ballpark because he hit two in the series against Miami there last year. So you know I guess I guess that's the the one uh, bright spot there. But uh, you know they obviously they had a great game one and they dropped off in game two. So we'll see what happens next. Tim, could you tell what Urquidy was doing that the Braves just couldn't figure out? Well, he, he you know, he, he, as you said, he did throw. Uh, he is a strike thrower. I mean, he was, uh, didn't walk anybody, uh, was head in the count, seemed to have them off balance. Um, uh, he was good. You know, I mean, he, uh, it sounds like the Astros have a lot of confidence in him. I mean, he was, uh, he's not a big name, you know, probably a lot of Braves fans hadn't heard of him, but uh, he was impressive. One thing we did discover is that it is possible for somebody to stop Eddie Rosario. He finally wears the collar. 
yeah, that may have been the most surprising thing offensively last night. The first first game of the postseason in which he didn't get a hit. It hit in 11 in a row. Um, and um, was it 0 for 4, 0 for 5 last night? Um, don't think there's any worry about him offensively at all. Um, Ozzie has an 11 game streak now, too. He's hit in every game, uh, starting with game two of the NLGS. This is the AJC Braves Report podcast brought to you in part by Academy Sports and Outdoors. The Atlanta Braves are playing to win the World Series, and Academy Sports and Outdoors has everything you need to rep the Braves on the big stage. Swing by a local Academy store today or shop online at academy.com to gear up for all the excitement. Academy Sports is the official sporting goods retailer of the Atlanta Braves with jerseys, tees, hats, and more at prices that you will love. This year, all 14 Atlanta area stores will open immediately after a series clinch by the Braves. We will not consider that a jinx, but if the Braves win the World Series, Academy Sports and Outdoors will be open right after the game. Now, before we get to Game 3, I don't know how many of you stayed up to see the bottom of the eighth inning, but all I have to say is, uh, Kyle Wright, who are you, and what would you do with the other guy? That's why I think it was it was so encouraging to see Kyle tonight, uh, just getting in there for that that one inning and getting him out there and experiencing this atmosphere because he, he could play a huge part um, going forward. Wright has only made two appearances in the big leagues this year, and he strikes out the side in the World Series. Gabe, where did that come from? Yeah, I mean, that was a really impressive outing from Wright. I mean, we he's had flashes before, obviously. Um, you know, he just strikes out the side on 12 pitches. He gets Altuve, um, which is always a big deal. So, I mean, good for him, uh, for him to have that outing. The last time he was on the mound in the postseason, it did, did not go that well. Um, so, he's – it's like what Snitz said. He, he's going to be big. Um, they're going to they're gonna need him. And I know that's a scary – kind of a scary thought that they need Kyle Wright. But, I mean, that's just – that's where they are now. Tucker Davidson – Kyle Wright, Dylan Lee, Jesse Chavez. I mean, these are guys that they're just they're forced to lean on. That that's where they are. So for Kyle to kind of have an outing like that, uh, you know, give him some confidence. You know, you go out, you get a guy like Altuve like that, you go you go against these hitters, uh, your first your first game and your first World Series game. Uh, you know, that's a that's a good thing for Kyle. So we'll see again. The story of his career, he's he's kind of had these moments, and then it unravels on him. So it was encouraging. Um, you can't read too much into one inning, but um, certainly the Braves are going to need him, and they're going to need him for multiple innings. Uh, Tim, I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, do you think Kyle Wright's got that in, in him again? Oh, I think he's got it in him, but as Gabe said, he's he's been very consistent in his big league career so far. He'll allow uh, He'll show glimpses of the of the great potential, uh, and then then he won't build on it. So we'll see. But I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. In the World Series, Kyle Wright has spent almost the entire season in the minor leagues. I was surprised they didn't call him up at some point, uh, you know, around uh, around August or September when they were looking for a starting pitcher, but they never did, which uh, was was it's kind of telling. Kind, kind of was kind of telling. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. But here he is. Uh, you know, on the roster for the World Series. Tucker Davidson, same thing. I mean, he actually, it seems like a very long time ago, but he actually had a, had a short string of uh, very impressive starts uh, early in the season. And then he had forearm injury, and he missed uh, three months at least, four months maybe. Um, uh, but, um, you know, both of those guys uh, you know, still have potential. I don't think the organizations, obviously they haven't given up on either one of them. They must have really liked the way Kyle was throwing at Gwinnett 
late uh, September into their season there, and even simulated games they've been play, playing since because you know that's the guy they picked to add to the roster. Uh, so it'll 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 be interesting what he does in his second World Series outing because I don't think there's any doubt there there will be a second one and also how the Braves use him. That was his third outing in the majors this year for Kyle Wright, the first one where he did not allow a run. The others were starts, and he got knocked around pretty good. Now, all the Braves need, pitchers are going to be needed at this point, and the newest ad is Tucker Davidson. I've been very impressed with Tucker when he got his first call up this year. It, the moment didn't seem to, to matter to him. The, um, you know, what he, he was very impressive how he went about it. So, um, I, and I, I think, you know, those guys are going to have to play a big part in this. Gabe, what can we expect from him? Yeah, Davidson, uh, he, he's going, he's going to have to cover multiple innings for him. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see, to see him actually, because there was a lot to like uh, when he pitched in four games back in uh, May and June. And then he had the injury, and that was, you know, that was that was a loss because you remember he, he was he was really intriguing. He really did kind of show that, you know, he he belonged at the major league level, and he was a guy that I kind of already, when you think ahead of ne- to next year, he was a, he's an interesting guy for spring training, and and now it turns out now he's he's in the, on the World Series roster. That's that's how things work sometimes. So he's a really likable guy. He's a mature guy. Um, he seems pretty level headed. So, I mean, we'll see. Is, is he going to start? Um, I don't know. Again, like you're, you're looking ahead there. Are you going to do a, you know, Chavez Smiley thing? Obviously, the inning that Smiley had did not go very well. Uh, are you going to start AJ Minter again, uh, like they did last year in the NLCS? I think that's an option. But I mean, certainly Tucker Davidson, just like Kyle Wright, and you know even Dylan Lee, he's he's going to factor in somewhere. Davidson, a three sixty ERA and four starts in uh, twenty innings, had three good ones and then one really terrible one, and uh, then he got hurt. But now he's going to be expect be leaned on now in the World Series too. And uh, Tim Snitker mentioned last night that they're probably going to need eighteen innings out of the bullpen in games four and five. Do you have any possible clue um, how that's going to start? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I don't have I don't know how they're going to go, but uh, I think the the options. Uh, I mean, the way they've they've done it recently, including in September when they did some bullpen games, was to let Jesse Chavez start the game, pitch an inning or inning a third or something like that, and get it off the ground. Last year, of course, uh, uh, in the postseason, they they had the in the NLCS they had the big start from AJ Minter um, in a similar situation. So I would think those are um, those are the two um, most logical options based on how they've done in the past. But having back-to-back bullpen games, man, that's a whole different thing. Uh, and particularly with Ian Anderson pitching Game Three, and uh, you know he he hasn't been going deep into games. Uh, so you know you've got to figure if you only get four or five innings out of Anderson in Game Three. And then you, so you have to cover over half that game with a bullpen and then the entire next two games. They may, uh, they may, um, either have a Tucker Davidson or a, or a Kyle Wright, uh, start either game four or five, or if not that, you know, have them come in in the second inning and hope they can get, say, three innings out of one of them. All right, so let's go ahead and transition to our game three preview now, and it's back at home. The atmosphere is awesome. Um, like I say, Braves country's real. It's real. Um, that's why I think it was so important to split here. 
I mean, realistically, you want to win two, but if you can split and get out of here and go home where we've been really good, that, that, that's a very positive, I think, that we're going to go home on tomorrow. Ian Anderson gets the ball, of course. Gabe, what are you going to expect on Friday? With game three, I just think that the big thing is, is going to be Ian. And they're, they're just – they need him. They need him to cover innings. They need him to keep the game manageable. Um, they just – I mean, I'm stating the obvious. They cannot afford for him to, you know, get roughed up early. I mean, because their, their bullpen – I mean, they're basically they're going to need 18 innings out of it uh, in those next two games. And, and it's so big, obviously, going up 2-1 with two more home games. It's a best out of five now, right? So you look at this, and when you think, when you consider the bullpen games, you, with the way Max has pitched, you don't know what'll happen there. I mean, it's it is just if they fall into a two-one hole and they have these bullpen games staring at them, then um, that would be the point that you start to kind of wonder, uh, like, uh oh, are they could they be in trouble here? But if you can win this Ian game, um, you know, you got the home crowd behind you, two-one. You already take one. You need two more wins. I mean, I, that that'd be pretty big. So I would definitely. I mean, every game in a, in the World Series is pivotal, uh, duh. But this is this is going to be a really big one for them if if they're going to pull this off. Uh, Tim Atlanta will face Luis Garcia. He's got that goofy little wind up, and he was pretty bad in his first two outings of the postseason. But he no hit the Red Sox for for nearly six innings in the clincher of the ALCS. But You've got a rookie coming into this madhouse. That, that's got to be in the price favor, right? Yeah, one would think so, uh, uh, unless he throws like he did in the first five innings or so of that of that last start, because I uh, I watched that one, and uh, he looked unhittable, and he was unhittable. So he, uh, you know, he had really great stuff, and uh, apparently his velocity had ticked up, and ticked up's not even the right word, because it had uh, it's gone up considerably. I think, I think I read two or three miles an hour from the previous start is weird uh you know what's interesting in this start uh none of us think of ian anderson as a rookie because he came up last september of course and he uh was on the postseason stage and did very well on it last year so it seems like he's been around a long time but technically this uh game three is a matchup of um two rookie pitchers because ian still had his rookie status this year and of course garcia is so um i don't know off the top of my head how many world series games have had Rookies as both starting pitchers, but not many. Braves have won 10 of their last 11 at home. They've not lost yet in the postseason at Truist Park. And, and, and Tim, it's still really hard to believe we've not had a World Series game here since the Yankees won 7-2 to in Game 2 on October 24th, 1999. Yeah, it is It is hard to believe. You know, I was, I was, was thinking uh, yesterday in a story I was working on, and I the Braves – when they moved to Atlanta in 1966, it was 25 years uh, before they got in the in the World Series for the first time in 1991. Oh wow! And that, of course, seemed like forever. Of course, I was a lot younger then, and 25 years seemed to pass a lot slower than it does <laughs> it does as you get older. But from 1966 to 1991, just seemed like a, a lifetime to get to a World Series. And those were 25 uh, long baseball years. And they were. But it has now been. 22 years, almost as long, uh, for the Braves to get back to the World Series. And um, uh, it's, it's going to be electric uh, at Tourist Park on Friday night. It has been much of the season, really. The uh, I did a story in the AJC last weekend on um, Braves country, as it's called. And it is, it is really interesting how many people from across the Southeast 
not only follow the Braves on television, but attend games. And I think with these games being on the weekend, I mean, the, the Braves fans and particularly the, the out-of-town fans are, are, are lucky that the, uh, the uh, NLCS and the World Series games in Atlanta are falling on the weekends. And I'm pretty sure 22 years ago, ticket prices uh, were not as obscene uh, as they're going to be this weekend. Oh, it is unbelievable what's happened with ticket prices. I mean, there. I was looking again this morning, and the uh, the cheapest ticket that I saw on the secondary market 30 minutes ago was a thousand and seventy five dollars, <laughs> and that that you do not get a seat with that. Oh, that's that standing is, room. That, that is standing room only ticket. Wow, one thousand seventy five dollars, um, <laughs> and it's um. You know, the, the tickets were already really high, and then they went up again after the Braves won game one. And even even the tickets that the Braves sold um, directly to the general public, very few tickets, it seemed, on um, Tuesday, uh, those are very high-priced tickets, too. I mean, they're obviously pricing dynamically based on supply and demand and or demand. And um, those tickets were, to compare them to 99, I mean, it is, I mean, I think the, the increase is you know, I don't know if it's fivefold or tenfold, but it's it's a whole different world. Somebody in our one of our AJC newsroom um, digital conversation has posted some pictures of tickets from the '92 World Series against Toronto, uh, and field level tickets were sixty dollars. And sixty dollars. Yeah, I remember when I was well, a kid. It's like, who would pay that to go to a baseball game? <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, field level tickets are probably. Of course, it's hard to even compare because you know they didn't have clubs back then, so right. they were just seats. They weren't attached to these clubs. But now, what used to be called field level, uh, between you know behind the dugouts and behind the plate, those are now called um, chairman club seats and Delta Sky Three Hundred and Sixty club seats. And and even when sold to seats and ticket holders in as part of the strip of tickets to all the postseason games, which is the they, those people got the best prices, and they were not, uh, you know, that was before drove them up. So, so they got kind of the best price offer. And even even then, the what used to be called field level seats, now club seats, uh, went for six hundred and twenty dollars in the um, what they call the chairman section, five hundred and seventy dollars uh, in the section right behind that, eight eighty in the truest club section. And those were just the kind of the starting prices to season ticket holders. Those those seats now are there are people on the secondary market right now trying to get twelve thousand dollars wow. for seats <laughs> in the tourist club. <laughs> wow, that's just I love baseball. Can't wrap my mind around that, but uh, but but good luck to everybody. But uh, Tim, as we kind of uh, wrap things up here, uh, bottom line as we go down to this, as as Gabe said, five game series. Did you see anything in the first two games to to change your mind about how you feel about the series? No, I mean, the worst thing to happen from the Braves standpoint in the first two games definitely was the injury to Charlie Morton, you know, both for him personally and for the um, for the team in this series uh, because they knew they were facing a difficult situation in game four, not really having a starting pitcher, but they, they thought they had the stability of knowing Morton would be there behind that in game five. So having to get through the rest of this series without another start from him, that's that's the most concerning thing. The 1-1 split in Houston I think is fine. I don't think they really should have expected anything more from that. That's kind of what they needed. Uh, but they did not need to lose Charlie Morton in the process. 
want to remind you real quick that your subscription to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution funds our journalism, and we cannot do it without you, so thank you. And if you are not a subscriber, go to AJC.com slash BattleATL and sign up today. You'll get the most complete coverage in Atlanta during the World Series, and you'll also get a Hank Aaron tribute book, unlimited digital access to AJC.com, and the e-paper starts at just $1 a week. Get this special offer now at AJC.com slash BattleATL. So, Tim, what can we find from you and the rest of our Atlanta Journal-Constitution sports team online and in the e-paper before Game 3? Oh, we'll continue um, previewing the game. Uh, I have a story uh, that I'm writing, talking to, you know, a lot of people, have, everyone has talked about, it seems, about the trades the Braves made uh, in July. It's kind of become as big a part of the storyline of this team as anything uh, because, uh, I mean, those trades definitely saved the season and rebuilt an outfield. But the one voice I hadn't heard from um, uh, on that was John Scherholz's, the Hall of Fame general manager. So I talked to him about um, his view of those trades as someone who was in the job for a long time. And I thought he had some real interesting comments um, called um, called those four trades. He said, that's a grand slam. That's what you call that. Uh, so anyway, I'll be, uh, I'll be posting that story uh, later uh, in the next hour or two. All right, so you get all that in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on AJC.com slash sports and in the e-paper as well. And we will continue to bring you the Braves Report podcast for free after each game during the World Series, but we do need your help to grow this thing. Please subscribe on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, rate us, share us, and tell your friends if you're enjoying the show. We want to continue to do this into the offseason and into the next season as well. So that's it for the podcast. We'll see you after game three. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.